Good evening. It's good to see you all back out tonight. Hopefully everybody got a nap this afternoon after staying up late last night. It's great to be with you guys to uh, finish off this Lord's Day, gather together in worship and praise. Such a wonderful way to start the year. Jeremy talked this morning about how we wanted to approach 2023 and whether we wanted this year to be one full of blessings or full of curses. I'm going to build on that idea this evening by making a very specific application to the broader point uh, that he based his lesson on this morning. I'm going to ask you to consider specifically your home and your family. Do you want your home to be blessed this year? Do you want your home to be a blessing this year? And I think as the answer to Jeremy's question this morning was an obvious one, so is that. We want our homes to be blessed. We want our homes to be full of blessings to those a part of our household, to those who may join us from time to time. We want our home to be a blessing. And just as the way we approach 2023, we can choose whether we want the year to be full of blessings or curses We get to choose whether our home will be one that is defined by the goodness and the grace of God. But in order for that to happen, we have to give serious consideration to making sure that God is at the center of our home. And so whether you are a parent with young children at home, whether you are single, living by yourself, whether you are older and have raised children, and maybe are grandparents or great-grandparents, whatever your situation may be, you have an opportunity to make your home and your family a blessing. But in order for that to happen, God has to be at the center. Before we dive into this, I want to give you just a quick example of a product of someone who lived in a household who apparently had this, who apparently was focused on the Lord. Turn to Acts chapter 16 with me. It has always struck me, as you read Acts chapter 16, we're introduced to Timothy in Acts chapter 16. He is a young man. We're not exactly sure how old he is, but he is still a relatively young man. And listen to how he is described, beginning in Acts chapter 16. We'll start in verse number 1, but specifically look at verse number 2. Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him go on with him. We get a little further insight as Paul writes to Timothy years later in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. Paul will write this as he speaks of Timothy and of his great faith. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, 
listen to this, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. You see, whatever Timothy's home life may have been like, we don't know all of the details of that. But we get this brief snapshot, this brief snapshot of what happens when God is the focal point of a home life. People like Timothy emerge from those environments. People who at a young age, their faith is known, admired, respected, because his mother and his grandmother were serious about keeping God at the forefront of their family. This isn't some new concept when we turn to the pages of the New Testament. In fact, if you turn all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, we'll reference this passage a couple of different times over the course of our lesson this evening. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 really begins this whole concept of having God at the forefront of the family. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're told what the intent of the family is. Excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse number 4. Listen as what, at what is said here. As God commands the people of Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Whether it's Deuteronomy chapter 6, whether it's the life of Timothy, or whether it's the homes that you and I are trying to cultivate and build today, They must be centered around God and around his commands and around what he wants us to be. That has always been what God has intended the home to be. A place in which a relationship with God is cultivated. And we have the choice as to whether or not we're going to follow the example of Lois and Eunice. Whether we're going to follow the same example that God set forth in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and center our homes around him, and allow them, therefore, to be a blessing to all of those involved. And so this evening, I want to talk about some specific ways in which we can cultivate that type of an environment. But before we do that, I want to start with one warning. I want to begin with a warning. Because the reality is is that we live in a world that is consistently targeting the home and actively trying to make sure that God is not the focal point of your home. And in order for us to be actively trying to make sure that God is at the center of our home, we need to understand that we are fighting against the world and culture by doing that. We live in a world that seeks to divide parents. We live in a world that seeks to take kids out of the home as much as they can get away with, away from their parents' influence. We live in a world that tries to sexualize children 
at absurdly young ages, desensitize them to immorality, normalize divorce and dysfunction, confuse God-given gender roles, and replace even a hint of godliness and hostility with vulgarity and confusion. We are at odds with the world if we are seeking to create a God-centered home. We have to be mindful of that. We have to be ready to fight that battle day in and day out. What is amazing to me is that perhaps the greatest magic trick that has ever been performed is that the world, after seeking to do all of those things that I just referenced a moment ago, is also trying to convince us, and in some cases is doing a pretty good job, that as your home begins to deteriorate, and as chaos begins to reign, the solution is sometimes found in the problem. That's what the world is trying to convince us of. As our marriages begin to fall apart, as children begin to lose all control, as parents have have no control over their home any longer, the world is saying, come to us and we'll provide you with all of the solutions. They'll provide us with secular texts that we can read, medicine that we can take, recreation that will distract us, all in the name of fixing something that they broke. As Christians, we have to be so mindful, so mindful, that we cannot, we cannot look to the problem as we seek for the solution to our home and our family lives. Only the creator of the family unit, the one who designed it, only he can provide the solution to a family or a home life that isn't centered around him. He is the only one that can fix the problem of the family in this culture. We have to turn to him. We have to look to him. Look with me in Psalm 68. This is a passage that is is so powerful for, for so many different reasons. The psalmist here pins these words beginning in verse number 5. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry land. God has created the family unit to be a refuge, to be a stronghold against evil and against the influences of the world. He seeks to set us within families because he designed the family to be secure and to provide safety and comfort. In Proverbs chapter 29 In Proverbs chapter 29, beginning in verse number 17, Solomon writes, Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. When there is a family void of God's word, 
the prophetic revelation, that's where chaos reigns. That's where dysfunction reigns. But that's not the God that we serve. He's not a God of chaos. He's not a God of confusion. In fact, he is the exact opposite of that. And so, as we look to our families, as we look to our homes, if we want our homes to be centered around God, for him to be the focal point for us, We have to cultivate an environment of peace and order because that's who God is. He is not a God of chaos and confusion. He is a God of peace and he is a God of order and he always has been. If you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 as God is creating the world in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2, you remember how that reads? The earth was what? Without form and void. Okay, literally translated from the Hebrew, the world was wild and waste. That's the literal translation of that. Wild and waste. It's chaotic. And what did God do? He gave it order. He gave it design. He gave it structure. Because that's what God does in the midst of chaos. When it's wild and waste, God provides order. Turn over to 1 Corinthians with me. As Paul here is writing to the Christians in Corinth, specifically to keep things in context, he's specifically writing in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 about the assembling of the saints. But one can only assume that if God wants this for the assembling of his family, and it's what he expects from our physical families as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all the churches of the saints. See, whether it's in the assembling of the saints, our spiritual family, or our physical homes, God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. God is the author of order. And so success and money and fun, it's all worthless if the cost of those things is a disrupted and a chaotic home. But if that's the reality that you live in, if you think about your home, about your family, and you think chaos, and you think confusion, and you think maybe even wild and waste, if we need to go that far, invite God into the chaos. Invite God into the chaos. Because God takes chaos and gives it structure. God takes chaos and gives it order. God takes chaos and gives it peace. So if you want your home to be centered around God, we have to be actively cultivating an environment of peace and order. Because that's where God thrives. Secondly, we have to be confident, we have to be consistently praying together as a family every day. We began this morning our study through the book of Psalms. 
and an entire collection of prayers and hymns and chants of different sorts. So many of them pouring out emotion to God as you go through those psalms. Highlighting how important it is to be in constant communication with God. I want to look at one example with you as we consider this point, and that's Psalm 5. Turn to the fifth psalm with me, and look at what the psalmist has to say about not just the importance of prayer, but even the timing of it and the way we approach the idea of prayer, beginning in verse number 1 of Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation. Give heed to the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for to you I will pray. My voice you shall hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning I will direct it to you, and I will look up. We must be serious about cultivating a life of prayer within our homes. As parents, we have to teach our children to pray. We have to teach our children to express themselves in prayer. We have to teach our children to take their emotions to God. We have to teach our children that you can talk to God about everything at any time of day. And as parents, we can set an example for that by showing them just how important prayer is collectively within our family. So pray with your children. Let them pray. Talk to them about how to pray and and what they are doing. It's through collective prayer that we can instill a dependency on God within our families. When we go to God as a family and we take difficult circumstances to Him, we are showing our children that in our greatest time of need, He is the one that we go to. And that is so important for a family to cultivate an environment in which we recognize as adults, our children recognize at a very young age, that we are all dependent upon our Creator. So if you still have children in your home, teach them that. Set that example for them. If you're grandparents, pray with your grandchildren. Husbands and wives, if you don't have children at home, make sure you're praying together. If you're living by yourself, make sure that your prayer life is still vibrant. Join with others and pray with them. But cultivate an environment in which prayer is a part of your home. Bring God into your family every single day. That's part of making Him the focal point of our families. And then lastly, we have to instill a love for God's Word in our homes. That's one of the messages of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, that we read just a moment ago. There is to be a consistent presence of God's Word in our homes. The way that we talk, what we surround ourselves with, 
God's word has to be there. There has to be a deep love for it. It's one of the things that really stuck out to me as Jeremy was preaching this morning from Psalm 1. As he presented the importance of meditating on God's word day and night. Very similar messaging to what Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17. As he gives us directive there to pray without ceasing. There is to be a constant line of communication between us and God. That is open at all times. That consumes us. And that whether you are just coming into our household for a short period of time, or whether you are a part of the household, you can't miss the fact that in this house, we love God's Word. We have to instill that love within ourselves. We have to instill that love within our children. Encourage that within our spouses. Work together to grow in our love and appreciation of God's word, so much so that it serves as the framework for every interaction that we have. Whether you're at work, whether you're at school, whether you're within your home, every interaction you have, you may not be directly thinking about God's word, but because you are so consumed by it, it influences how you interact with others. And when you are in your home, It is what defines the love that you have for one another. It is God's word that as a parent determines how and when you discipline children. As a husband or wife, it determines how you love one another. Your home is structured around a love and appreciation for God's word. That's what it means to have a God-centered home. It doesn't mean that you have a sign up on the wall that says we love God. It means that it is evident in every word that you utter and every interaction that you have. That God is the center of this household. And there is no relationship with God. There is no God-centered home without a deep love and appreciation for His Word. As we begin... 2023, there are a lot of goals being set, a lot of resolutions being made, and most of those are wonderful. Most of those are great. You want to, This is the year you're going to get in better shape. This is the year you're going to eat better. This is the year that you're going to get that promotion at work. This is the year you're going to read more books. Whatever the goal, whatever the resolution may be, most of them are very positive and most of them are very admirable. But as a Christian, there is no more admirable goal that we can have but to have a God-centered home, one that provides the safety and the refuge from the influences that the world is trying to get into our lives. Let your home serve as a defense mechanism against the world and against the influences that you're going to face. But in order for that to happen, you have to make sure that God is at the focal point of your house. These are just a few examples this evening of how we can go about doing that. And I'm sure you can come up with many more. But make sure that as you think about the year to come, 
that you put a plan in place to make God the center of your home. And the reason that this is so important and that this is so crucial is because your family and your home has been entrusted to you by God. Your children have been entrusted to you by the Creator. Your grandchildren have been entrusted to you by the Creator. Your spouse has been entrusted to you by your Creator. The environment that you cultivate within your home has been entrusted to you by your Creator. What kind of steward are you going to be of what you've been entrusted with? God expects his people to be serious about stewardship. He expects us as followers of him to take care of what he has given to us for the time that we have it. So make sure that you're serious about the stewardship of your home. Make sure you're serious about what you allow into it. Make sure you're serious about the conversations that you have and the relationships that you cultivate. Well, as we conclude tonight, I want to take just a moment to extend an invitation. Perhaps you're thinking about your family and you're thinking about your home, and maybe you're realizing that you haven't been the best steward of those things in 2022. Well, here's your opportunity as we begin a new year. What changes are you going to make to make sure that you have a God-centered home in 2023? Maybe you realize that you haven't been the best steward of your soul. You haven't been the best steward of what God has entrusted you with personally. And while the first Sunday of 2023 isn't really any different than the last Sunday of 2022, because our minds are thinking about new beginnings and new opportunities, perhaps this is a good opportunity to think about what kind of steward we have been of the soul that God has given to us. Have we turned our lives over to him? Are you being the type of steward of your soul? That if Christ were to return tonight, he would say, well done. Have you been a steward of your home in which he would return tonight and say, you did a good job with what I entrusted you with? If the answer to any of those questions is no, you have an opportunity to make those things right tonight. Because God is a God of forgiveness. He is ready to bring you back to forgive you of past sins. And you have a group of people here who is ready to do anything we can to help you. To help you reconstruct or begin the relationship with God that he wants to have with you. To help hold one another accountable as we seek to create God-centered homes. If there's anything that we can do for you this evening from a spiritual perspective, please come to the front and let us know as we stand and sing.